Hello and welcome once again to Ask the Ed podcast. This time we start with a question from Southern Monkey off the Man United site who asks, Messi or Ronaldo, who and why, and who do you believe has the potential to emulate them that we haven't heard of? He also thinks this should be a live stream and I should use silly voices for quotes. For those wondering why he said about the silly voices, it is because I said about it I was going to treat try and treat these podcasts like I'm reading a bedtime story to my daughter when she was little when I put on silly voices for all the characters. She certainly loved it. I wasn't sure whether it'd work on an adult podcast but said the monkey certainly seems to think it uh, it should. As for Messi or Ronaldo, as I said when I did the comparison article between the two, it is a case of personal preference of whether you like tea or coffee, which of the two you prefer. Well, I like both tea and coffee, though I usually drink tea, so I hope that answers the question. As for who has the potential to emulate them, other than Mbappe and Felix, that I'm sure you will have heard of, I'm not sure there is anyone that has the potential to reach their levels. These days of all the coverage, it's almost impossible for anyone to emerge from nowhere. There is that youngster at Real Madrid, Vinicius Junior, who has a chance as well, thinking about it, but like, there isn't really anyone that stands out in the way they do, they did even, other than Mbappe. As for doing this as a live stream, the amount of mistakes and reboots I'd do, it would be an hour-long stream for one question, even if I didn't need to do any research to check the answer was correct. Just pronouncing the name of one of Villa's owners took me about 50 takes before I gave up trying to get it right in the last one. Southern Monkey also asked the next question, which is, what inspired you to start this website, Manchester United Rumours, and what would you like it to become? Well, initially, we just had the one football rumours site for all of it. It was just one page for everything, but it got too busy to cope with as one site. Everything would just get lost in the crowd, so we created sites for the busiest teams, one of which was obviously Man United. It was to stop the main page getting swamped under just the big club's rumours and nobody else getting a look in. We didn't really know if it would work. Both myself and Ed33, who created the sites, were working and doing them before and after work. So it's good now that we've been able to just about go full-time on the sites. And, you know, this is our job now. What I would like it is if it became more interactive, such as doing this podcast. And I would love to add video as well as audio stuff to it. Paulie off the Everton site has an interesting question. He wants to know, if Everton never bought Sheedy, then do you think he would have eventually fought his way into the Liverpool team, or just fell into the lower divisions, or become a great player at another club? For me, I'm sure Sheedy would have would have been a great player. That I'm I'm 100% sure of that. But I don't think he would have fought his way into the Liverpool side at the time. Not because he wasn't good enough, but because he was just coming through at the wrong time. Somebody else would have got a gem if it hadn't been Everton. He had a great attitude and desire. Defo would have made it somewhere. Then we move on to a question from Savenga, who asks, Why was Arsene Wenger the greatest manager in Premiership history? I'm sorry if I'm to be a little bit confused here, but I'm not sure if you're meaning to ask if he was the greatest or what made him so great. So if the question is if he was the greatest, then I would have to say not quite. If he'd carried on with his initial success, he would have gone on to be the greatest. Unfortunately, he lost his way, not just in terms of the belt tightening due to the stadium, but in terms of falling behind the competition in coaching and tactics terms. When he arrived, he was an innovator, but he ended up years out of date by becoming a follower. Instead of continuing to follow his own path, the one that brought him incredible success, he tried to copy the Barca model. It was surprising he forgot what what had worked for him initially. 
I remember once being lucky enough to have a chat with him. He was effusive in his praise for the English game and the mix of physical power allied to ability was what he brought into his his way of playing. That was why he signed players such as Vieira and Petit. He wanted a core of physically strong players who were technically strong as well. It was that which worked. Over time, he strayed away from that, initially to being overly, overly obsessed with pace, which saw the likes of Walker arrive, despite scouts telling him to sign the lad on the other wing for Southampton, a certain Mr Bale. Then he decided he just wanted technically gifted players with a low centre of gravity, the Barca model. It didn't work, but there was absolutely no need to change from what did work. It wasn't broke. It still isn't broke. So why did he fix it? Or rather, try to fix it. What did make him great was his introduction of new techniques to an English game that was many, many years behind the rest of Europe. It was not just that he dismantled the drinking culture at Arsenal, he also introduced coaching that was more technique-based, similar to the modern way. Wenger also brought in better diets for the players, plus brought in continental players who were more professional in their way of life. That opened the eyes of the younger English lads coming through who looked up to them. Suddenly they didn't need to join a drinking club to become one of the lads. That made a huge difference to the fitness and stamina of the team in the long term. Players like Adams got a new lease of life. Oh, and he also made it enjoyable for the players. Under Graham, brilliant as his defensive coaching was, and there is no one comparable to Graham in the modern game in that aspect of it. But his coaching was not so much fun. It was repetitive, similar to Roy Hodgson's. Lots of shape work and work on keeping the back line intact, positional work, stuff like that. Wenger did a lot more work with the ball and a lot more games. He made it more about playing the game rather than just working on repetitive stuff to get it drilled into the players. It did help that the players that Wenger worked with at the back had that basic training under Graham. They knew how to defend, so he just worked on making them better footballers. A Chelsea question is next from Roman199, who wants to know which Chelsea players do I think will thrive under Lampard and who are the ones that will struggle. From the little I saw of Derby under Lampard, and assuming he's going to work along similar lines with the Chelsea team, I expect a more direct, pacey team under Lampard compared to Sarri. Not paces in the speed the players move at, but paces in the speed the ballers move forward. That will favour players such as Zuma who will not be expected to play out too much from the back. Emerson at left-back should also be well-suited. Obviously, I would expect Kante to thrive. He is that good, it shouldn't matter to him how the team plays anyway. He would just do his thing. Um, I would also expect it to suit Loftus-Cheek and Barkley. It is hudson Adoy and Pulisic that should really be able to stand out, though. I, I really do expect Pulisic to be a revelation. I think he's a fantastic signing for Chelsea. As for struggling, I think Alonso will struggle to keep up with the pace of the game. He showed signs of losing his way last season. His lack of pace could be a real problem under Lampard, though he's likely to only be a backup anyway. Sadly, much as I love him and think he is one of the best fullbacks in recent years, I also fear for Aspilicueta. His game is to play like a genuine right-back rather than wing-back and it is not totally suited to the way I expect um, Chelsea to play. I would also expect it to be a difficult season for Jorginho, who is someone who just wants to be on the ball, stroking it around, drawing the opposition in until there is a gap to play a pass forward. Lampard, from my observations, will want him to look to play the ball forward much more quickly and I can see him struggling to adapt to the physical demands of having to get up and down the pitch much more. 
Harry style is more static, as his team has the ball and uses the ball to move opponents around to create spaces. Lampard is more English in his outlook, and will want his players to make runs to drag opponents about and make space for passes forward or in behind. The game will move up and down the pitch much more quickly, which is more suited to mobile midfielders, something Jorginho is not. In some games he'll be outstanding, but I believe the believe there will be a lot more when he is just being bypassed. Reminiscent of Fabregas in his final season with Chelsea, when he would play some delicious passes, but the other 89 minutes of a game, he was just a passenger as he could not keep up with play. Now there's a question from King King Giggsy, who's clearly from the Rodri Giggs Appreciation Society, who asks, During the SAF years, several high-profile, talented players were sold under somewhat of a cloud. Which of these players, if any, do you think the great SAF let go too early, and out of them all, who was the biggest loss? When it came to letting players go, first-team players anyway, Fergie tended to hang on too long, if anything. The likes of Giggs, Neville, Keane and Van der Sar should probably have left a year or a couple of years sooner. When it came to you players, he would often get rid too soon to tell if they would make it unless they signed with his son's agency. The only two that I can see in terms of first-team players that he probably let go too early, in terms of their on-field play anyway, were Andrei Kanchelskis and Yap Stam. In Kanchelskis's case, it was completely understandable. Great winger that he was, he had real gambling issues and moving enabled him to pay off his debts. She would have been a problem if he stayed, so he had to be sold. Stam, it has to be. I mean, he still had a few years left in him at the top, and it wasn't until Vidic arrived, I think it was four years later, that he was actually effectively replaced. Now, there's a tough question from Welsh Gunner off the Arsenal site, who asks, what size shoes am I? That's me, he means. He isn't asking me to tell him what shoe size he is, as everyone knows he has dainty feet and has an outgrown child shoes yet. Sorry, got a bit distracted then as the phone just rang. Answered it and said hello, and the guy at the other end said, Who is this? So I replied, What do you mean, who is this? You phone me, so you must know who I am, or why are you calling me? And the better question is, Who are you? And he put the phone down, which I thought was a bit rude of him. Strange. Anyway, back to the question. Sorry, um, where was I? Ah, yeah. Shoe size. Well, as on what the Americans would call a sneakerhead, trainees are a bit of a passion of mine. But sadly, I have extremely wide feet and so some shoes I simply can't wear no matter what size they are, such as the Air Max 90, which I'm gutted about as I love those. Usually I have to wear a UK 12 to make them comfy, but a particularly wide or soft-sided shoe I can squeeze into an 11. See some exciting info out there for, for anyone thinking about what to get me for Christmas. Silver Red from the Liverpool site wants to know what the players do on holiday during the season break. Are they still required to train? Do some do nothing at all and come back fat? Or do they all maintain ultra-professionalism and do their own fitness? Do the club give them homework? I now have visions of Jurgen Klopp setting them an essay to write for when they come back off holiday. I just can't see that happening somehow. So no, they don't have homework, but... First off, they're on holiday and they're at their own people during it. They can do what they want within reason. I mean, obviously there's some contractual things they're not allowed to do, such as dangerous sports. Usually skiing's one of the things that are banned. Motorcycles are quite often banned as well. But they're not required to train. They're actually meant to rest. Some continue to train for themselves, 
but these days very few come back over the target weight they're given. The club gives them diet plans to follow which are flexible but help them to keep their weight within limits. Gone are the days where a footballer decided to get, who decided to go on a special diet over the summer ate only bananas, which are packed full of sugar and so very fattening, and he came back stones overweight. These days, they are in the main very professional and take care of themselves for the sake of their career. Milner would have been an extreme exception at one time. These days, he's more of an inspiration and an example to everyone. Red 7 who is also from the Liverpool site, he wants to know what is the transfer that you are most looking forward to Liverpool completing and living up to expectation. I actually thought I was over getting excited about transfers anymore until last summer. Then there were two in fairly quick succession that showed I was wrong. That was Fabinho and then particularly Alisson. I've been saying for most of the previous season that I really wanted us to go for Alisson Becker, so it made my day when we actually did. Even better was when he turned out to be just as good as I'd hoped. In fact, probably better, if anything. Right, now on to the final question for this episode, and it's from the Nottingham Forest site and Rogie Red. It's or Rogi. Is it Rogie or Rogi? I don't know. You'll have to let me know, Rogi, 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 whatever. His question is, hi, ask Ed, I'm resealing my Taramac driveway what would be the optimum temp to achieve this task, therefore ensuring a smooth driveway? Many thanks, Rogi Red. Rogi Red, whatever. I'm a bit confused. Is Taramac? Is I'm not sure if the typo means he has a driveway made of Caramacs or Tarmac. Obviously, if it is Caramac, then it is simple. The key is to remember to remove the wrappers first, then heat to 76 Celsius for the optimum smoothness. If it is tarmac you're working with, well, this is more Ed 25's area of expertise. And he tells me that the best bet is to hire him and he will come round and use his smouldering good looks to heat it to the exact temperature required. So there we have it. The second episode of Ask the Ed, complete with genuine good advice and Christmas gift ideas. Keep the questions coming in and thank you for listening.